Hello, everyone. My name is Paul Third. That man over there is Ed Thorne, and this is another week of the Working Audio Tools podcast in association with DistroKid, who's going to be sponsoring this episode and all of our subsequent episodes. Right, let's get into it this week. We've realised that we do too much waffling, so let's get straight into it. This week, I'm sorry. The Royal Way. Well, okay, me, okay. Right, <laughs> this week we are going to do another uh, mixed comparison, and this week it is a song called Wasting Away. Ed, who's, what's the artist's name again? I've just got Wasting Away in my head. Alex Calise, and this is a multi-track found in the Produce Like a Pro Academy. So me and Ed have both mixed, same multi-track, and we are going to compare the mixes constructively. Again, there isn't a thing about one being better than the other. It's just about listening to both mixes, sharing our approaches, sharing kind of difficult difficulties that we had in the hope that you watching at home could learn from our potential mistakes and hopefully uh, some of our successes uh, as well. First off, let's listen to the raw audio. Now, this is the entire multi-track without any processing and I've genuinely just used Mix Monolith on every track just to kind of give us a rough balance just so you all at home could hear what we uh, were dealing with from the off and then hopefully when you listen to our mixes you could have a better idea um, of the challenges that we faced and again basically what the mixes sound like to the rough so without further ado let's listen to the rough Yeah! 
so deep Couldn't get through to me DistroKid hosts a range of visually engaging social media promotion tools to help your release stand out from the crowd. Creative and colourful social media cards incorporate your artwork to help your release stand out. These are free to download and can be highly effective promoting your release. DistroKid also offer mini videos which are free, short, customizable videos incorporating your artwork and a short clip of your track. And if this wasn't enough, DistroKid also have a tool to create a Spotify canvas generator, which is the video that plays in the background when you're playing a song on Spotify. Simply choose a theme and choose from dozens of different creative artwork concepts. These are free to use and great for engaging your audience, available on DistroKid. For an additional subscription of $8.25 a month, you can get your music videos distributed to Apple Music, Vivo and Tidal, and you'll keep 100% of your royalties with DistroVid from DistroKid. So that should give you listeners a good idea of what we were working with. Now, one thing I struggled with particularly was the vocals. They're heavily compressed on the way in, and for me, it was a lot of... kind of lots of really close, intense clicks and breaths, and that was the first thing I approached, and the first thing I wanted to do was to clean that up. I think I did an okay job, but we'll hear that soon. What did you struggle with in this mix, Paul? For me, it was definitely the guitars. The problem is with mm. the guitars is that it's all the same amp, so it's all the same guitar sound, and it got to a point in the chorus where it's the acoustic guitar and the main kind of little guitar that goes in the back. That was fine. That was easy, right? Really simple mix, vocal at the front, just have your instruments a little wide. But in the chorus... You've got this guitar, it's like, and it's just, I was struggling because it was like, mm, if I have it too loud, it's too distracting and it gets in the way of the vocal. If it's not in it enough, then uh, I don't know, it just kind of sounds like a wall mess of guitars. So it was hard to try and give everything, in a sense, it's space while still letting it be like a wall of guitars, but still kind of have a little bit of separation. And I don't, I still don't think I was able to do it. I just basically went for the wall of guitars thing where you can kind of pick out the elements kind of, but it's basically just like, okay, chorus, bang, there it is, big, massive chorus. Yeah, I struggled as well. Um, it hadn't clocked to me that they were recorded through the same amp, but in hindsight, that now makes sense. The amount of guitar parts was just mm. too much. I, I felt like that there maybe needed to be some more production choices and yeah. 
a bit more selectivity with the guitar parts and the lead parts were a very similar melodic movement and a very similar register to the vocals. So it was just absolutely clashing unless, as you said, get it out of the way somehow, which I just panned far right and far left and just, <laughs> yeah, applied some processing. So let's have a listen to your mix first, Paul. This is Paul Third's mix of Wasting Away by Alex Calise. Here but a moment just as quickly you were gone So sad to think that nothing lasts forever Not a day goes by
Hi there, Ed here to interrupt the podcast with this week's featured plugin of the week, which is SmartDS from Sonable. SmartDS combines spectral processing with real-time plosive and sibilance detection to tame your audio with precision. Simply analyze your audio and SmartDS will automatically adjust its processing to your audio material. At the top of the plugin window, we have the spectrogram highlighting detected sibilance in green and plosives in blue. We can set this to full range management or in split mode, we can set the parameters for the sibilant and plosive frequency bands independently. The lower window shows us the processing in relation to the waveform for an additional visual aid, displaying the input and output signal as well as the gain reduction applied. The controls at the bottom allow us to tailor the processing for both the sibilants and plosives independently. Suppression controls the gain reduction applied, Shaping controls the spectral processing applied, and color gives us target color options for our sibilants. We can solo the delta signals and listen to only the processed audio for both of these. And we can also adjust the speed at which the processing is delivered and the maximum gain reduction we want to allow. And in the corner, we have a mixed blend dial and output trim. Laying down your arms while forgiving the blame, and letting go fits, let go of the pain. And this could be the day that we make a change for the better. Laying down your arms while forgiving the blame. And letting go fits, let go of the pain. And this could be the day that we make a change for the better. Laying down. Laying down your arms while forgiving the blame And letting go fits, let go of the pain And this could be the day that we make a change for the better So I found soft colour mode can sound lispy and sharp can quickly become quite piercing So I find balanced the most versatile setting Instead of the simple gain reduction applied by standard DSs, the spectral processing of SmartDS delivers subtle and natural sound control. SmartDS is available now on the Sonable website, links for which can be found in the YouTube video description and the podcast show notes. Let's get back to the podcast. All right, that was Paul Ferd's mix. i got to hand it to you, Paul. There's some very good stuff in that mix. Uh, there's, there's a few things I really, really liked. Firstly... Let's go from the beginning. Acoustic guitar sound. There was one string resonating harshly on the left that at least came out on my PSIs. Other than that, I thought it sounded really good. How, how, what was your process for getting that sound? Uh, EQ'd it to brim noise. And then I added a bit of tape and I used the Amber compressor, which is the Avalon compressor. Whenever I do acoustic guitars or piano, I normally always use... Uh, the amber from acoustica and yeah i think i think i added a bit of tape to it which didn't really do anything but i think i rounded off the top a little bit so Mm. i vq'd it to brim noise just because i wanted it to be in balance but i wanted it to not be that bright because it was there were quite bright acoustic guitars anyway so yeah just a bit of nice widening kind of compression that the amber comp gives you eq to brim noise and then a little bit of high pass low pass filtering bit of tape and then it was the chamber, the capital chambers, yes. It was the 
Now, if you remember, um, Jason was talking about Capital Chambers when we were at Abbey Road. He, he talked about a setting called The One by Al Schmidt. Um, and I used that quite a lot um, on acoustic guitars and just kind of set it in a mix where it was given the acoustic a li- a- 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 enough space where it kind of sounded like it was in a room, um, but not too much where like you get that kind of high-end thing with the strings. But if, if, if you know what I mean, no, sometimes you add too much reverb to acoustic guitars. Like when you've got the plucked bits of the strings, they could kind of do this thing that I don't like with reverb. So it was just adding enough to taste, just to give it enough space, but not be too much. I think we went for a similar vocal sound, although uh, in true Ed Thorne Paul third style, we've gone for totally different <laughs> approaches. You've got a nice dry and intimate vocal sound at the beginning, which I liked. Now the guitars come in and you, they're quite distanced, which I like. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they were a little too washy and too distant perhaps, but the idea was there and I really like the idea. you got a really tight low end with the bass, a really nice pocket for the bass there uh, which allowed the kick to kind of thump through it's quite a tubby kick drum which you'll hear in mine as well we'll come back to the snare always the (laughs) snare (laughs) we need to combine mixes man in the second verse there was a really nice effect on um, Are You Even Out There which I loved but I wondered if you could do that with in tandem with the lead vocal so the lead vocal doesn't disappear and the effect kind of comes in in the background washing to side to side. Um, I had a similar idea, but I have a feeling it's been buried in the mix somehow. Right, okay. Uh, Couldn't be bothered fixing that. Again, good distance on the guitar parts in the second verse, adding nice space and depth to a mix. I think I struggled with that in comparison. Uh, Is there a a drop in vocal in the last chorus? Um, No, I just think the guitars get loud and maybe I just should have automated it up. But I don't know, I wasn't really that fussed. I didn't really feel that I was losing the vocal too much. But um, I don't know what you maybe just feel that maybe you just needed to maybe be automated, maybe just a a DB up just to kind of go with the kind of the bigness of the guitars at the very end. Yeah, I almost feel like the the bridge part that repeats before the, the, you know, it's kind of three sections at the end. Mm -hmm. The two parts are almost the bridge bit and then it's the last chorus or is it the other way around i felt like there was yeah you hadn't automated it up i mean in line with the volume of the vocals in the previous section but easily fixed and you chose to roll off the top end on the lead guitars which i thought was a good idea mm-hmm. to get them in the mix nice and wide but not conflicting which uh yeah was definitely the challenge yeah. <laughs> of this mix snare drum right here we go is it completely dry no no okay it sounds dry and it just sounds a bit it's it's not a it's not a i don't know it's not a snare drum i would go for personally that honestly was probably the only thing i didn't like i felt like the rest of it was by far some of your best work although maybe slightly overdone on the effects for my liking with thing with um mixes like spike in mind where the effects are quite subtle the ideas are there to keep the interest and to keep the track going but they're not quite as blatant in your face as i think you've had them in this mix so uh yeah good job mr third thank you very much what would you do differently in hindsight um it's quite hard because i just finished the mix so <laughs> i like <laughs> okay <laughs> we'll talk about this next week because by then we will both hate our own mixes uh, so it's quite difficult because really uh, yeah this is monday yesterday was sunday so i finished it yesterday went back to the final tweak when i got home from work which was about two three hours ago and it was like just listen trying to like just go right is it is it right to have on this podcast for ed to listen to 
So I've not given myself much time. It's not a rushed mix. Like, it was basically a day mix, which is should be normal for guys like us wanting to be, like, you know, professional mixers. Yeah, it's a hard one because... I like the effects, but I like... This is interesting because you've always I, said... I like that, them. I like them. Yeah. No, I do like them. What you've done is very creative and adds dimension and space. I just think maybe split the difference on them. And I think that's what's hard for me is because I'm a creative mixer, like, I want those to be heard. So, yeah, yeah I do kind of yeah. sometimes do that where it's like... Because sometimes you could be too subtle and we've done it lots of times where we've sat there and analysed little things and went, yeah, just a little bit here and a little bit there and you just give it to the artist and they're like, what what reverb, what fucking washy delay, what auto pans thing did you have going on there? Can't even hear it. So I'm just like, right, know what, just kind of be, I want to be a little bit more forthcoming with my decisions. So if you hear it, you go, yeah, I could hear it. And like what you kind of said, that you can understand the reason why I made it because I'd much rather I made a decision. Maybe it might be a little bit like, you could definitely hear it, but you could sit back and say, right, he un- I understand why he made it and how it impacts the song and how it makes the song kind of flow. But yeah, I was really, really happy how that like, are you, can you hear me? Are you really out there? Like, I really liked what I did because when I was listening to it, yeah, yeah. I just felt it was that part of the song was a, a very big lyrical moment in the song. Yeah, that was the one that, was lyric line. that I picked up and I was like, right, okay, let's, I need to do something. Um, and that's kind of what I came up with. And Ozone wasn't doing much at the end. I was I was wanting to do a lot, <laughs> but I was just taking out modules that I was like, mm, no, too much, too much of a difference, too much. And I just got yeah. it to make small little tweaks. And for anybody wanting to know, um, we have not got these tracks mastered. We have decided, what we've decided to do is try and give you guys the examples of how we would send uh, the mixes to the clients. Because obviously not every client could afford mastering. Or again, they might have their own mastering engineer and many people wonder you know well, what should my mixes sound like and something that we picked up when we were at the mix with the masters seminar with jason was that um he will limit the mix he might do it i think he said the sweet spot was minus eight and a half luffs but my advice is always like limit as much to the point where your mix starts to fall apart i mean you can get it to minus eight and a half luffs if you want but at the end of the day you should only really get it to the loudness that your mix can handle if it, i think mine's was about minus nine and a half which is still fucking pretty damn loud, um, more than enough for me. Uh, what, what, uh, what now, with you... that in mind, Paul, you told me to limit mine to minus eight and a half, so I did, and I struggled. I mean, I didn't. I struggled right, to get okay. it as low as eight and a half because I had some things going on. I tried about five different limiters. I had it at minus six and a half at one point. Really, that was way, Fuck. way over the top. So I backed it off to eight and a half. So, uh, oops, we'll talk about that one before next week. But then it'll be interesting because at the end of the day, if, if you're mixed, I mean, did you feel that your mix fell apart or it, or it was like starting to kind of degrade in quality around minus eight and a half for you? Uh, I don't think it's falling apart, but it's hanging on. It, right, it, yeah. okay. Which is it, minus yeah, eight and a half. That's what I feel. I feel at like minus eight and a half, it, it's not a sweet spot. It's like where if you've got a really good mix with like good clipping and like you've kind of sorted everything out, it will hang on, but I think hang on is a very, very good term. It is like... Yeah, I, I, I think you'll hear that in so mind, much. but th- that's because, yeah, you'd said eight and a half, so I was like, right, we'll aim for eight and a half then. <laughs> and I'm not a mastering engineer, as, uh, and I never will be. Right, so you're ready, listen the, uh, to, right, we're ready to listen to your mix now. We've listened to mine. We've kind of, you've given me my feedback, which is much better than last week, <laughs> but I'm, I do think I've done a much better job this week. I, I tweaked a few things in my mix and approach, and yeah, I'm quite happy with it, the way it was. 
So let's have a listen to Mr. Ed Thorne's mix of Wasting Away.
DistroKids sponsors the Working Audio Tools podcast and 30% off your first year subscription can be found in the podcast show notes and the YouTube video description. Hyperfollow is the easiest way to place all of your content in one single place, making finding all of your content super easy for your audience. Upload artwork for your release, edit the information, and apply links to all of the streaming platforms your music is going to be available, which of course on DistroKid is potentially all of them that exist now and even in the future. Add social media buttons so your audience can find you and your latest music video. Creating a beautiful landing page with a preview of your music is easy with Hyperfollow. Hyperfollow links can be created for all of your releases and it enables you to create pre-save links for your audience to pre-order your music before it's released. This link is shareable on all of your platforms and a great way to promote your next release only with DistroKid. Right, so there is Mr. Ed Thorne's mix of Wasting Away. I want to ask you first, Ed, like listening to my mix and then listening to yours right after, what's the impression of your mix after just listening to mine? Because I always feel that it's very hard <laughs> to listen to your mix right after you've listened to somebody else's mixes because they are ve- two very, very, very different mixes. So what's your thoughts listening to mine and then yours afterwards? Um, I don't really have any thoughts. I okay. have made one note of something I would do differently. We went for different approaches at the start because there is that acoustic, sorry, there's that electric part that doubles the acoustic that I left in and you seem to either put way back or completely take out. Other than that, again, just very different contrasting approaches, which hopefully will be interesting for the listener. Right. This will be interesting. Now, for me, the intro makes sense. Um, I was obviously straight away, I was like, oh my God, this sounds way different to what I heard. I was like, because you had like a chorus or something onto the acoustic guitar. But I take it, was that just that you just had the electric guitars um a little bit more prominent is that all that was yeah well like like i said there's the duplicate of the acoustic on the electric and that was um yeah that was as prominent in the mix almost right okay now i do it now if anybody that's on youtube watches me looking down i'm trying to look at my phone um right in terms of the bass i found the bass to be a little bit bloated for me i, I just kind of felt that it didn't have a, a lot of definition and I don't know, but to my ears, I was like, I don't know, something could have been taken out. I don't know if it was like, like maybe like 200-ish, 300-ish, maybe not that high, but I just kind of felt that there was maybe lacking a bit of definition. Or again, maybe it needed a bit more DI, maybe it needed a bit more mid-range to kind of poke through a little bit. Um, oh, I completely muted the DI. Did you? Did Didn't you? even use right. it, yeah. Right. That makes sense to me now, because... I always, always use that. Like, this is something that I got taught from every mentor I've ever had is always use the DI for your low end. Always have your, like, clean low end. Because um, I think that's maybe what I'm hearing is that, see with, see with bass amps, they don't, they never have, like, a lot of definition in the low end because they're so saturated. Where yeah. with, with, like, with a clean DI bass, you're going to get, you can compress it and you could, you can really just get that clean low end. So I did the opposite. So I had, so I do the split bass thing where I have the DI just for the low end and then I have all of the kind of mid-range and the kind of aggression in the bass amp. I think that's something that, like, I think Mark Daniel Nelson does it as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, I did the split thing, but I used the amp 
for the low end and not the DI, but actually what you're saying is making total sense and seems so obvious now in hindsight. <laughs> Always does in mixing. <laughs> um, I think, and I think because of that bass maybe feeling a little bit, I don't know, maybe bloated's the wrong word, but um, the kick just felt like it was hiding for me. Like I tried to like get that kick punch in as, as hard as I could. Uh, did you use all the samples that were there or did you use your own samples? No, I used all the samples. However, I had one sample come in and out for the chorus. Right, okay. To kind of create its own sense of dynamic. I think I did the same for the snare as well. Did you get the kick? Yes, heavily, because there was so much cymbal wash. Yeah, I know. So see, now what I did on this record is I didn't use the acoustics. I see like the recorded kick and the recorded snare, I didn't use them. I just used... Ah, that makes sense now. Right. Yeah, okay. Because I could hear the gating and I was like in certain parts, I was like, oh, I should not hear that gating um, where that's... On mine? You know, yeah, I could hear it. I could hear gating in it. And I was like, okay, that's why I asked you, is the, have, you uh, have you gated the kick? Because there's a bit in it where I'm like, oh, I could actually hear the gating on that kick. Uh, there, there was one note, I think, listening back, that does creep out. Um, it was me. I think it was the kick. It was just because that was... Uh, it just caught my attention straight away. I was like, mm, that kick sounds like it's been gated. But I forgot that I I didn't use the uh, acoustic drums. I just used all the samples. So that allowed me to kind of really push um, that kick. I used the, there was a click sample. I, I kind of pushed that quite a lot. And then I did my yeah. my technique, obviously, with the, the whole like um, DBX sub synth and to give it a little bit of low end girth and then pushing the kind of um, transient um, top end with the click sample as well. Um, did, is there reverb on that kick? Again, I think there is a reverb on the whole kit that again right, I okay. think comes in in the chorus. Right, because I think, I don't know, there was times that I, I was sitting there thinking the kick sounds like it's got a little bit of a reverb on it. But again, that'll be a test thing because I don't know, I just don't like kicks to have reverb. I, I don't know why. I've just got this thing about kicks punching, so I always like to have them dry. But from a drummer's point of view, like, is that... Do you always feel like it's something that you should always leave a, have some form of not verb or just room sound of a kick? Is that like I want to hear that from a drummer's perspective? Um, good question. Actually, any drum kit played in a room is capturing, well, your ears are capturing the resonance mm-hmm. of that in a room. There's not a room other than a purposefully designed dead studio that doesn't have some kind of kit resonance. So yeah, maybe I'm used to hearing that and don't like the immediately dry kind of mm. 808 sounds for which I don't think would be appropriate for this track. It's quite an open rock song. But see, last week, see on the see on the whiskey mix, your kick was a lot more in your face and it didn't sound like it. I don't know, the kit for me personally just sounds like it's got too much verb on it, which is, <laughs> I just have to laugh because see, last week, we were the opposite. I was the one that had all the fucking, the reverb live from Wembley Arena. Um, and I've listened but to your the, mix. The reverb is very, very low. I mean, it'd be more for sustain and presence rather no, than... No, sorry, I'm on about the whole kit. Yeah, like the snare. Reverb. So so for me... Oh yeah, there's, there's, there's big reverbs on the snare, but then I think it's the chorus when the snare comes in. It's a big open track. And I was, I was just a way to say, thinking about... Um, Reverb on kick drums, if you've listened to Green Day, American Idiot, like, especially Wake Me Up When September Ends. You know, huge, spacious reverb to kind of add to the, almost the, well, the sustain of the kit and kind of the 
the feeling of girth. But do you think that that in a busy track, like that chorus is very, very, very busy. So if you think about yeah. when September yeah. ends, that is a dum dum cha bum bum. There isn't that much going on, and the drums could really kind of they have the space um, without much clashing. Yeah, true, true. Uh, there is a lot going on. I just felt like the drums need to be big. I mean, uh, you know, we know now big drums are my thing. Preference, taste, default. I can't seem to help it. Well, having said that, I am working on a mix at the moment with uh, some very dry drums. So do you not think that last week's mix, the whiskey mix, which many people kind of commented that you definitely nailed the drums on that, do you not feel that that is, those drums are a lot less drier than, than this mix? I think the whiskey drums I overblended in the samples. I actually think a blend of this week's and last week's drum wise might be better for both. I would agree because I, I think that you, I, when I'm listening to your snare, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I can see what he's meaning. It's kind of allowing the snare to kind of it does that, and it kind of gives it a little bit of depth. But I do think it's a bit much. I think it's um, I kind of chose to kind. Of, I mean, there's snare on. Uh, snare there's verb on my snare but I I don't know I just kind of like my drums to be very quite dryish, and maybe I had the whiskey mix from last week where you were like oh Paul it's maybe a bit it's just maybe all a bit kind of too much so I kind of went back to my usual way of being like kick snare kick snare but, but I think there's a difference between ambience which you captured on the drums last time mm-hmm. versus reverb and then this time i think the track needed ambience and yours is dry again i think if you'd gone somewhere in between the two for this week i think maybe you'd 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 have been in the right place with it i think for me i tried kind of adding a little bit more kind of verb to the drums but i just felt that it's this balance where if you if you add in too much kind of verb then you can lose the punch like if you think about this isn't a dance track but if you think about kind of a lot of dance tracks and Actually, kind of a lot of really kind of punkish kind of um, even alternative rock stuff. You do kind of have like almost very sampleish, dryish kind of drums, but it's very very stylistic and it's very very like down to taste. I just felt that I could hear why you did what you did with the snare. I just maybe felt like it needed to be dialed back. I think if you dialed back this the the verb, then the drums would have maybe been a little bit more forward and kind of maybe would yeah. have given you that. That punch. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'll, I'll say one more thing uh, on the drums, and I'm guessing you have more more uh, mixed comments on other stuff because we've spent far too long talking about <laughs> no, drums know, already. I, know. <laughs> I, I would say my kit sounds like a kit, though. Yours sounds like samples. Yeah, and that was which intentional. Which is something Tim alluded to uh, many, yeah. many weeks ago. No, I, and, that, and I suppose that's stylistic. I wanted that sound, you know what I mean? But last yeah, week yeah. I didn't. Um, the guitars... Um, the guitars are too wide for me. I think that's the issue I've got where it's like, it feels like the guitars have been purposely pushed. Like, are they, I mean, are we talking, are they like 100% left, right, like wide, wide, right, left and right? Some of them are, but no. So the chorus ones, the acoustics are quite close. Uh, and then again, the, the chorus acoustics are kind of 60%. The intro electrics are quite close, maybe 30, 40%. And then the chorus electrics are maybe 50 60 and then the, the leads are pretty much 90 percent wide leaving some space for effects and whatever else is kind of wide i just i struggle just to get stuff out of the way and use it you may have noticed in the first chorus i deleted the lead guitar solo 
lead guitar stuff. And I brought it in for the second chorus because I felt that from a production point of view yeah, I know what you mean. was a development opportunity that they missed. And I, it was just too much for the first one. And then at the end, on the leads, there were four parts. Two doing a... Kind of similar to the... Um, so the melody that was clashing unless you got out of the way. And then there were the extra two parts. One was a really badly played 16th note part. I just I took one and listened to that. I was like, bin. And then the other one that takes the song out that I left in, uh, but that's panned quite wide. Yeah, okay, interesting that um, you thought they were too wide. I struggled with mono compatibility on this, so I ended up bringing some of the main ones in a bit, which helped right. a little bit. I just kind of felt that it's almost like there's a thing where you can create too much space. It's like, the vo- for what I hear, the vocal is right here, but um, the okay. guitars are like that. It's like that. There's nothing in the middle. That's what it sounds like to me. So it's like the guitars are... Maybe that's why you were struggling with mono-compatibility, where, again, I was taking... I was thinking a lot about mono-compatibility in this mix, and I purposely... Only thing that's left and right is... like Hard left and right is the effects... So reverbs, delays, like all the effects are hard panned, but um, the acoustic guitars are like 70, um, the lead guitar is like 80, so there's, like a, there's nothing like, I think overheads are like 95, so it's like I've really tried to kind of really kind of do that, you know what I mean? So I've got instruments still wide-ish, but I'm leaving all this stuff. That was something that I picked up in the Dan Warhol video that he was talking about midside is the stuff that, the thing is with mono is there isn't a lot of space in mono, so the stuff that's like needs space, i.e. your reverbs and delays and your stuff that's meant to sit back anyway, probably doesn't need to be really be as prominent in mono. So I was thinking that in terms of my panning. That Dan Warhol video is very good, but I had done this mix before I watched that. <laughs> right. Um, I do feel that the guitars are too loud in certain bits. Maybe <gasps> I think... I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that... I think it's... See, I can... Uh, because I knew when you brought in that annoying <laughs> down, 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 and then I was like, oh, that's now in. Uh, but I, I, maybe it was too loud. I don't know. I just sounded a little bit loud. Um, but the thing that kind of really bothered me the most was the guitar sound. Obviously, you were bothered about the snare. I was bothered about the guitars. Um, the, they sound like they're very resonant. Like um, I use Rezo quite a lot. On my electric guitars, actually, I use them on every electric guitar. Um, and there's a, there's like they're muddy. They just sound like there's a little bit of cabinet resonance, or maybe in the room, or um, there's just a little. That's bit... probably the reverbs I put on some right. of them. More on the leads. The the rhythm guitars have a tiny bit of verb pan the other way, but they're always high pass to at least two hundred. Uh, and then the leads are a bit more soaked. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I I don't feel like I've nailed my guitar reverb sound yet. That's something I need to sit and work on at some point. I don't know. Even if there is just maybe like too much kind of low mid information, maybe like 300, 400, then maybe, I mean, did you high pass the electrics? Uh, the electrics are high pass to 400, I think. Yeah, right, the, okay. the lead, the rhythms... And the electrics are high past to 200 with some dynamic EQ going on between 200 and 350, 400. Right. Okay. Trying to alleviate that because, yeah, the, they, the electrics were tricky in that area. Yeah. 
And that's why... Good to know I didn't get it right. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, okay, it's always fucking... It sounds like doom and gloom, but um, <laughs> for me, again, the good... Look, a very, very important thing is that your vocal sound is getting consistent now, week to week. And if there's anything that, like, you need to nail in every mix, it's the vocal. If you nail the vocal, then, again, it's just about tailoring um, the rest of it. Uh, I think... <laughs> It's always going to be a tough one when it's a mix that's so guitar driven. Because as a guitarist, I'm I'm just like tuned to to like knowing in my head what a, the guitar should sound like. Um, but yeah, I, I I preferred last week. I do think that you got really like a solid mix. Yeah, I yeah. Get, I did a better again, job last week. Remember when I when I say this to everybody watching, I'm somebody that's mixed this record like very 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 differently. So obviously my comments are going to come from a place of, hmm, that sounds a bit off to me, that sounds a bit off to me, maybe that sounds a bit off, but it's all subjective. Like this isn't Abstract me... subjectivity. Yeah, correct, yes, that's right. So um, how do you feel about my feedback on that? Do you feel that any of it's a little bit harsh? Do you think that like, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Like all feedback from yourself and people watching this, leaving comments on the videos, um, and with any feedback, I'm the kind of person that I will take on board and at the very least think about every comment because I'm never going to be arrogant enough to think that I can't learn something from absolutely everyone, including all the people who do leave comments. I will consider them and then I will decide whether I agree with them or not. Now, regarding <laughs> the drum sounds, um, I disagree with you on the snare drum. Mm -hmm. I think that fits the track. Uh, kick drum, maybe a bit tubby. I know what you mean about the gate. Guitar sounds, yes, uh, I, I agree with that regarding the the resonance, and that is coming from reverbs, which uh, I feel might be the source of quite a lot of low mid problems I have in mixes. Maybe I didn't need to sell my Neumanns, Paul. Maybe. <laughs> don't, 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 don't start that. You'll kill yourself, man. You'll kill. If you start going, oh my god, was it really? Was it? Was it? Was it just my ears? Was it the room? Um, no, 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 because no, 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 what that was. That was I in every go vocal. Back. That was in every vocal that you did. I could hear it, and you've done whatever you're doing. With your vocals is working. So, like, I'd keep, I'd keep on doing what you're doing with your vocals. Um, and drums, drums are always going to be like me and Ed will be having these conversation about conversations about drum sounds until the end of time because I am not a drummer. So I hear drums the way I hear them and he overanalyzes on drums being a drummer. So, you know what I mean? We'll be like 60, still doing this podcast, <laughs> still sponsored by Distro Kids, still trying to make it as professional mix engineers, still slagging each other's drums off. And I can't yep. wait. <laughs> <laughs> right, so there you have it, right? I think that's it. We'll just end it there um, because we, we realise that the, the, <laughs> these podcasts can get very long. On that bombshell, it's been emotional. Thank you to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Remember, you can get 30% off your first year subscription using the VIP link in the podcast show notes and uh, the YouTube video description. And thank you to Sonable as well. For me, it's been emotional. I look forward to seeing you next week when we have Michael from In The Mix coming on. I'm Ooh. excited about that one because uh, he's got a big, a big-ass YouTube channel <laughs> and he knows his stuff about mixing. Yep, cannot wait. Goodbye from me, goodbye from him, and we'll see you again next week.